10 years of experience is like it's going to enrich anyone even even if it's like bad experience or good experiences so like i i wouldn't say that i'm a better person than i was 10 years ago uh, uh but like I'd, I'd say that i'm a, a a richer person but if it's better i don't know Uh, hello, everybody. So my name is Baptiste. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast. So this is a new podcast, the first episode. I'm French, as you can hear. I have a strong French accent. And in this podcast, you will hear a lot of strong uh, foreign accents speaking English, because I think we have a lot of people that speak English as a second language in Europe that have very good stories to tell. And the object of this podcast is to share with you some of these stories through interviews. So each time we have an episode, I don't know yet if it will be each week or each month, we will receive a new person and we will try to discuss with them who they are, what is like their life journey, what they try to do today, why most of the time they moved maybe to another country or why they didn't move, why they are making the choices or the things they do today, why they want to wake up and what they are doing every day to try to want to wake up even more to have a nice day, to just hear stories from from people. This podcast will be hosted by several people. We are three of us right now. There is also Alan, who will present himself in a second, and Emil, uh, who is our first uh, person who will be interviewed tonight and will probably host some episode later. So, Alan, your time. <laughs> Thanks for this intro. Um, there's one thing you haven't said, though. You're French, but you're in Barcelona. All right. Uh, I'm Swiss. And I'm in Lausanne, Switzerland. Why am I here? Well, basically to make this happen, because I've known you for a long time, Baptiste. Uh, we, we do another show together. <laughs> and um, yeah, I love your ideas. I think this idea, which was yours initially, is absolutely brilliant. But sometimes, you know, you need to have a Swiss guy telling you, look, we'll start doing this tomorrow at 4 p.m. Otherwise, things just don't happen. So that's what I'm doing here. I'm, um, I'm there as a tourist, and um, I'm super interested in, in hearing people's stories, people's life stories, understanding what you know makes them get up in the morning and how they find their purpose in life. And from what I understand of the, the concept, this is what this podcast is about. So I'm really looking forward to doing this together. Good to be with you guys. Really looking forward to doing this. Great. And so, Emil, I won't ask you to present yourself the same, because since we will interview you, I will, I, I will ask you to start by presenting yourself and probably we'll go through the interview after that. So maybe you can just start telling, telling us something that is important about you, about, you, about who, who you are today. Oh, that's a very broad question. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I... I, I to make it simple, like for me, uh, I'm yeah, I'm I'm Emil, and I'm 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 from Sweden, uh, and living in Barcelona at the moment. Something that's very important for me is is connecting with people and communicating with people. So, like, I always strive for for and, and find it very interesting, uh, like how people communicate with each other. And that's fascinating when you live in different cultures and you meet people from from other other countries and stuff like that because that speak other languages. Uh, I, you, I always strive after communicating in the best way to the audience, to the person that I'm I'm communicating with, and that that is one 
one of the sort of drivers in my life. And do you have an, uh, an example where you, you had to change the way you communicated with someone because of this different culture? Not sure if I have a specific example, uh, but like an, an example on, on how it's sometimes changed the way I communicate is like the fact that my native language is Swedish and I, uh, I have not lived in Sweden for seven years. So seven years ago, I moved to England and I lived in England for three and a half years. And now I've been about three and a half years in, in, in Spain, in Barcelona. Uh, and during these years, like I use Swedish less and less. So I like uh, my first year in London, I didn't speak Swedish at all, except for when I called my parents or occasionally had a friend visiting or something like that. So like you start thinking in English and and uh, and so on. And then I got a job where I sp spoke Swedish, so I, I kind of kept my Swedish at an okay level. Uh, but still, still now the 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 two three times I I come home and I come home to my my uh, uh, up north in Sweden, where I'm originally from, and visit my family and friends here. Uh, and I, I spent like two weeks, and I, I almost only speak in, in Swedish. Uh, and spe specifically, my mom, usually, she just tells me that, uh, that I completely understand what you're saying, but it sounds a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I, I then use, I speak in Swedish, but I use the sentence structure of English. So like, and, and you can perfectly understand what I'm meaning and what I'm saying, but it, it sounds a little bit odd because it, it's normally not spoken like that in, in Swedish, but my point gets across. Uh, uh, so it, in that case, I, I probably, uh, I probably just, uh, use more body language and, and, and so on, but people will, people understand what I'm saying, but it, it's, they can tell that I'm, uh, I'm sometimes struggling to find a word And yeah, just replace that word with an English word, which I often do, uh, uh, which is not a problem in Sweden, but could be a problem in in other countries. So you like you you need to be aware uh, what, what your audience are. So in Sweden, for example, with my friends, I know if I struggle to find the Swedish word, I can just throw in an English word because everyone speaks English. But if if that would be like when I'm speaking Spanish with some of my Spanish friends that don't speak English. I've, I have to find diff a different way of getting my point across than just throwing in a word from a different language, for example. Yeah, j just to give us an idea, how many languages do you speak altogether? I, I speak, officially I speak three languages, but I like to sort of pick up small uh, parts of other languages and words and phrases. And I can communicate with, with Danes and Norwegians in, in a kind of a, Uh, I, I wouldn't say I speak Danish or I speak Norwegian, but because Swedish and Norwegian uh, uh, and Swedish and Danish are quite close, I can communicate with them in a modified Swedish and they communicate with me in a modified Danish, for example. Mm. But Norwegian, I, I just, I speak with them in Swedish, they speak with me in Norwegian. <laughs> okay. And so you mentioned you lived in the UK and in Barcelona for the, the past seven years. Are, are yes. they... As far as communication is concerned, did, did you did you witness major differences between the two environments, or as an expat, it's it's roughly the same? I guess you speak mostly English in Barcelona, right? With uh, with the yeah. expat community, uh, yeah. So in in England, like my my biggest uh like the biggest difference i would say in uh, like communication and culture from sweden to england 
uh, was the, the fact that it, it's so much easier to for, for English and British people to have conversations with anyone, with strangers and like in a pub. You struck up a conversation and you can talk about pretty much anything uh, uh, the first time you meet someone. Like, and that's something that you don't really do in Sweden, for example. So you, you don't talk about yourself or whatever with a person that you, you've just met. That's something you, you kind of had to, you have to get to know them before you can trust them and, and so on. So that, that's a, a, a big difference uh, between Sweden and, and England. And when you, you came back to Sweden after being in, in England, did you start trying to do that in, in Sweden to in bar to start talking to random strangers as if, they, as if you were in UK? Not really. Like it, I, uh, I, I still have my like a born and bred into this sort of. So like when I come back to Sweden, in a way, I I fall back into old patterns and and behaviors. Uh, uh, but I still feel a little bit uh, like a stranger in my own country because I've I've been away and I've sort of embraced other cultures and and I'm used to diff a different way of of uh, of meeting people and 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 connecting and and interacting with people. So like the 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 whole body and and greeting um, thing, for example, like in in Spain, you kiss on the cheek. Uh, and like in, in Sweden, you don't do that. Uh, in England, you do it occasionally if you re if it's someone really really close. Uh, but uh, like, I've I've started to to sometimes when I come back to Sweden for the the the, the, the times I'm I'm here, um, I I often get confused with like, oh, should we hug? Should we like? Is it a kiss on the cheek? Is it just a handshake? Or like, what 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 are the the, the informal sort of uh, uh, um, uh, way of behaving in those situations? But overall, overall, not really. Yeah, I feel in this context, it's always um, leveraging by by the lowest offensive way. Uh, most of the time, it's just saying hello, like throwing the, uh, with the hand or just a little hug because. This is something that is quite universally accepted, <laughs> and you don't even try something stronger. That's true, but I, I have been in situations in Spain where people have been offended by that. Oh yeah, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're like it, it's not like super offended, but like I can see that they are look at me in a different way because I put my hand out for a handshake instead of kissing them on the cheeks. Uh, like you, you, you get a like. I've, I've had, it's happened a couple of times where I've, I've felt a look of like, why, why is he putting the hat? That's that. So that that I've experienced. And um, so you said that you, you feel a bit uh, like a foreigner in your own country. Sometimes, uh, would you move back to uh, to to your country, or or it's not something you can imagine now? I'm I'm kind of a person that, that I don't plan ahead too much. Uh, like I never really planned to move to England, and I definitely not. I didn't plan to move to Barcelona. It's just things just sort of kept happening, uh, and, and like I, I can't say for sure that I will never live in Sweden again, but uh, I think it's a possibility. And I'm actually I'm looking at buying a property eventually in Sweden to stay parts of the year, maybe. Uh, but I, I don't see myself in, in, at the at the moment right now. I don't see myself moving back to Sweden uh, in the next few years. No. Yeah, you can always come to Switzerland. 
Uh, I guess you'll you'll be super welcome, and you'll feel it'll feel familiar. From what I understand of what you're saying, I guess we Swiss are like Latin Swedes. Yeah, <laughs> difficult to engage with spontaneously. Um, yeah, we're definitely not like like Brits. You you and you have to know someone before you engage in a conversation. But on yeah. the other hand, we do a kiss on cheeks, like yeah. <laughs> like Spanish yeah. people. <laughs> I think you're, like Switzerland is a little bit of a melting pot, yeah, like probably. a na- natural melting pot. Uh, yeah. which, and you you also have um, the neutrality in common with uh, with Sweden, like Fair from enough. a from a war perspective uh, and po- political perspective, We've always been very neutral countries. Yeah, and the fact that they both begin with S W in English, I guess Americans. <laughs> get them mixed up very often i'd say uh latin speakers get them mixed up even off more often uh, really? yeah because it's so similar in uh in spanish italian like in, in spanish it's suecia and suiza yeah so yeah, people enough. always mix them up uh so like i i say tell them that i'm from uh, even, even when i speak with them in in english I, a lot of my friends always uh or uh, not when they are my friends, but when I first meet them. Like when I meet people, they they and I say that I'm from Sweden. And after a while in the conversation, I realize, oh no, they actually they 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 think I meant Switzerland. Uh, and then you have to correct them. So like that 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 happened, especially in England. It happened to me a lot, but mainly with because I was in in an expat community there as well. I didn't spend uh, uh, all the time with British people, but uh, so there was often people mixed up Sweden and Switzerland. Yeah, so that's. One point we have in common. Um, I wanted to ask you, you said at the beginning of this uh, conversation that um, you're, you're very interested in how people um, communicate with, uh, with each other. So we've been a little bit through cultural differences and uh, st- stereotypes, but, uh, but I, I, was, um, I was wondering when you, when you said that, what types of communications were you referring to? Is it in the workplace? Is it uh, 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 in general? I mean, humans as a social species, how how, how we you know, organize and get along together? Yeah, like it, it, it was kind of the best way for me to 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 encompass it in in a, in a sentence. Uh, but like it, it is more of like in general how mm-hmm. people interact with each other. Uh, and it does, does not necessarily... I mean uh, like verbal communication it's it's just like how how do you interact with with one another and like what uh what aspects of that are uh trained or or techniques that you have learned for example uh, like like so it it's maybe it's more uh accurate to say like that, that I'm I'm very intrigued by like social interactions uh and and how culture and and background uh, affects those mm-hmm. i had i had a quite a quite weird situation happen to me um uh, which which uh, actually quite recently in may uh i was on a business trip in in the us in dallas texas uh and like that texas is one of the the most conservative states and uh I'm I'm not a conservative person. I'm I'm very uh, open from a like political point of view, um, and like I was in an Uber, so I, I took an Uber. It was maybe a ten minute ride, I think. It was a middle aged Texan guy, 
uh, that was the Uber driver. And uh, we struck up a conversation. He asked me where I was from. I told him I was from Sweden. Uh, and then we talked on a little bit more. And he suddenly, out of the blue, he just asked me, uh, do you guys in Sweden have a Muslim immigration problem? <laughs> Which, like, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> it came from nowhere. Uh, and, and like, I, I, I straight away, I thought like, okay, look, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with this guy. I'm not going to sort of like wave it away. I'm going to tell him my honest opinion. So I, I started explaining that, no, we don't have a, a problem with Muslims. We don't have a problem with, with immigration but we might have a slight problem with integration. And I started explaining how I thought that that in the Swedish society, we could maybe, uh, uh, we could be way better with the integration because a, a lot of like suburbs in Stockholm are like, they are, it's just immigrants uh, and, and people that come from different places that gets put in a specific neighborhood. Uh, and like, there is not that much, uh, things or structures or processes set up for for integrating more properly and like to to uh, recognize education in different countries so they can come and start working as doctor if they had had like a doctor's degree or something like that. So I explained a little bit of of that uh, to this uh, Uber driver, and he he sort of stiffened up a little bit, and uh, uh, and and then like the the conversation petered out and and. And and then we didn't talk that much for the the rest of the journey, uh, and by by the end of the trip, I was just about to step out of the the car. He he stopped me and he said like, "Wait a second. And he uh, reached for his uh, glove department, uh, the glove box. And my first thought was, "Oh, this guy has a gun," <laughs> <laughs> but but that was not the case. He pulled out the little book uh, and he handed it to me and he said, "Here you go. This is a King James Bible." Uh, I hope that will set you straight. Uh, and and they, like that whole situation was was uh, uh, very interesting because like I I am I am raised a Christian like a uh, Protestant Christian. My my grandfather was uh, was a priest in the Church of Sweden, and so like I'm I'm very familiar with uh, with Christianity. And uh, for me, it was uh, it was very strange that he thought that that would be the solution to to to, to, to my political views so, so so it's uh, but it like he sees things in this way uh but it, it was it that was just a very very inter interesting situation because it was so his perspective was so far from my perspective mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and and he just wanted to have a a simple, like a conversation and something to reaffirm what he had heard and what what kind of uh, opinions he had about uh, those kind of things. So uh, he probably just wanted me to reaffirm that that what he believes and what he has heard was correct. And then when I didn't do that, that was uncomfortable, and he tried to fix it. That like that's kind of how I I, I see the whole situation. And those those kind of interactions where you cross over, uh, uh, I I love those. It's it's super interesting. You travel a lot, and uh, I can imagine because that's also something I'm living by 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 being abroad. Everyone has an idea of what is your country and who who are the people of your country, and uh, this is part of it. Meaning, it was this image of people uh, of your country. I know that when I was in uh, in Dallas, I was uh, arrested by a policeman because I was driving too fast, and he said, "Oh yes." 
because uh, you in in France you don't have limit speed limit. It was just mixing France and Germany, so it's all of these people have visions of everyone. So, um, how do you what did you experience about that, and how do you feel of the image that people have about your country, and maybe even more the people of your country? Yeah, that, yeah that's, a, that's a very good question, uh, and it's it's also something that I. Uh, uh, that I've like I've, that I've thought about a lot myself because uh, me moving out of Sweden has made me more nationalistic in a way because like I I I when I lived in Sweden I didn't care that much about Sweden as a country but like when I then live abroad and I encounter people like I, very often I I come across people that have never met a Swedish person ever before. So then I, I suddenly I am the, the the marketing pillar of of Sweden because I I have to then present an image of the country where I come from in a way like it's it's, it's not super straight but in a way it, it is like that sometimes uh, because I I had a, a friend of mine uh, that I got to know in Barcelona he had he had never met a Swedish person before uh, he had never been to Sweden um, uh, I'd, I'd known him for like two years. And then he came to me and he said, I spent six hours on the Stockholm airport, uh, Arlanda airport in Stockholm. And Swedish people are not like you. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, they are rude. They don't like stop and talk. They're like, they don't have time for, for anyone. Like every Swedish person I spoke to, they were just rude and, and like uh, in their own world. And they were not like you. They were not open and friendly and... So he was a bit disappointed of his uh, first encounter with Swedish people in Sweden, uh, 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 which uh, uh, which is interesting because that me maybe means that either he met just some really really boring people, um, and also like in an airport, everyone is stressed and and he never exactly. really went into the country, so that has probably skewed it uh, a little bit. Uh, but it was it was funny to hear because it also uh, it's also something that a lot of my uh, uh, my non-Swedish friends tell me is that oh you're not very Swedish, uh, uh, like oh you you're you're you are a, a very Latin or Mediterranean Swede, uh, and and in some ways maybe, but like I I still uh, it's a it's very interesting to to hear where they come where where that comes from or like because that means that I'm breaking their their view of what what a Swedish person should be like, and. And it's interesting that you care because uh, you you're traveling in a lot of countries. You said that you're not even sure that you will come back to Sweden that much. You don't even feel at home in your country sometimes, but you still feel you have a mission and you're connected to this country and to promote it, like in Europe. Yeah, no, because because it's it. I I grew up here, like and like my my family is from here like uh uh from generations after generations like i i i've been thinking about doing like a dna test to see ex exactly how many <laughs> percentage i am swedish uh but like it it's shaped me to who i am like uh, growing up in sweden has shaped me to like to be the person i i am uh, uh as as well as the the years me live of me living abroad also have shaped uh, how I interact and how I I, I behave and, and treat other people, uh, but 
but primarily like it's the country where I lived for 23 years of my life and my family's here uh, all most of my base fundamental beliefs uh, I, I learned here and it comes from from this society so like there's even though I'm I'm not gonna possibly not gonna come back living here it's still like i'm i'm never gonna stop being swedish uh like being the nationality that i am without without it being a negative because like in in sweden to say that you're a nationalist would mean that you are a racist or a far-right extreme and and like i've i i don't support those views but like i i don't see why we can't celebrate where we come from and the societies we come from without that having to be excluding all of the other cultures and societies. Uh, maybe to, to understand that, maybe it's time to understand why with all you just said about uh, this way of, of being nationalist, meaning of loving your country, why living abroad? Why are going to so many countries? <laughs> As I said earlier, like it's, it's never been like a, a plan. It was never really like, it was... Uh, it was a friend that suggested let's move to London a couple of months to study English, and I said like oh, I, I I don't need to study English, I, but but I'll I'll tag along and and we um, in the end he convinced me to to take that English course, uh, but I, like I I took leave of absence from my work, uh, so I was working in a paint shop in Stockholm selling paint and decorating materials to uh, private uh, consumers and and to painters and and builders and stuff. Um, and I just, I felt like I, I was just, my life was in a loop at the moment. Um, I was like working six days a week. I was spending, uh, my free time with my two really good friends that was working in the shop with me at the time. So like my life was just like working, partying with my friends, hanging out with my friends, working. So like it was nothing really new happened. And then uh, another friend just suggested, let's move to London. And I was like, okay, sure. So I took a leave of absence from, from work. So I said, I'll be gone for seven months. If I decide not to come back, I'll, t I'll let you know a month in advance and I'll, I'll resign. So uh, I, I left with sort of a security that I always could pull back and come back to my job if I wanted to. Um, but when I then was in England, uh, I did some really crappy jobs and, and I still I don't understand why I actually endured those first six, seven months. Um, but it, like I did because I, I felt like I, I kind of wanted to prove something to myself, maybe. Um, to try and live in another culture and and to to experience to experience that and and uh, yeah it kind of just went on from there and I was no no real like reason or I, I I didn't move because I was unhappy in Sweden or or so it was just that I needed a change uh, uh, and then that that change didn't end up being so temporary as as it was originally planned. And uh, and Barcelona it was the same story. <laughs> no, but Barcelona was different because uh, uh, that was uh, uh, um, thanks to my job. Uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, I moved because of my job," but in, in uh, I, I like to distinguish that because it was I didn't make the move because of my job, but it was thanks to my job or because of my job I got the opportunity to make that decision. So it was. Uh, 
Uh, I was working for this IT company uh, that, that I actually still work for. Uh, we had an office outside of Reading in, in the UK. And uh, uh, they decided to have to open up a second uh, inside sales office in Europe. And uh, they opened up that in Barcelona. And when they did that, they asked uh, if there was anyone that wanted to move. And I had lived in, in the UK for... Uh, I lived in London first for a year and a half, and then I moved to Reading, which is a town out just outside of London. Uh, and I lived there for two years, so I I felt like ah, maybe I need something new. I uh, uh, so then when that opportunity arose at work, I was like, I just raised my hand and said, like, yeah, I can move. I had never been to Barcelona before <laughs> before I signed the contract to move. Uh, I'd been to Spain like once, uh, but I, I at that. Uh, it was in the beginning of 2016, and uh, one of my life goals for myself that year was to learn a third language. Uh, and like just after I had decided that, this uh, opportunity at work came up. And since I had had school Spanish in my in the back of my head, uh, I, I studied Spanish for like three years in in school. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a no brainer. I just uh, went for it. I love how this happened just after you had set that life goal. Yeah. It's a bit like if, you know, opportunities are, are there all the time, but we just don't see them until we've, uh, we've made some kind of decision to look for them. And, uh, yeah, so I was just wondering, do you, do you usually work with life goals? Do you, what are the next ones? Uh, I, I started doing it. Uh, four year, four or five years ago, but I, I don't do it religiously. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I don't like. I'm not very strict with myself. Uh, but I've I've found that it it kind of helps to like either voice my ideas or at least just start thinking about them. Uh, and like and my one of my next goals is to to be able to to uh, spend more time uh doing improv. So like I've I'm, I've started uh a loose plan of of maybe eventually or not maybe but to eventually quit my corporate job uh and uh, be able to to spend more time doing improv so maybe work two or three days a week with corporate stuff uh and then do do just perform and teach improv uh for the next four days of the week that that's a, but it's it's not a very elaborate plan or idea it's just a sort of a loose thing to for me to aim for and then i'll see if the things sort of pile up and uh, pan out in the end so uh, i guess you're not a big fan of your comfort zone not really but like my culture or like like the the swedish mentality is often very much like you you should sort of stay in your comfort zone uh up to a certain point uh but like i i think uh, yeah i like i like to test test my my limits and and try different things uh and uh and yeah i'm i don't know it sounds to me like you you are into improv already i mean your your life is is a massive improvisation isn't it <laughs> actually yeah when you say it that way true that's that's kind of true like yeah i don't set up i don't plan too much ahead i don't uh, write down the script and then and then do it it's like i said a loose 
uh, idea of what what I might want to do, and then I I kind of like react to what's happening on the way. Uh, and uh, no, I, I've actually never never thought it that way. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's it sounds like uh, very improvised. What what are you expecting more by doing more improv? Meaning that why <laughs> aren't you happy already enough with your improvised life? Why do you need official improvisation to <laughs> to add on top of it? No, I I don't know. I I, I think it, it would it's it's it has something to do with my uh, my natural ability or willingness to to um to be on stage or like the adrenaline kick uh that that comes out of it because i i do have a theater background so like when when i was uh, 15 uh in in the what did you call like secondary school or uh equivalent to high school um in sweden i i had drama as a uh as my major subject and um and then from then on, I like when I was 18, I moved to Stockholm to study at an acting school. So I did a one year acting school in Stockholm. And then I dropped uh, theater and, and, and drama completely for, for five, six years. Um, uh, and I, I picked it up again. Uh, I picked up improv in, in England because like, I, I like to distinguish like acting and theater and scripted theater. Uh, uh, from improv because I, I like doing scripted theater and I like doing acting and, and theater, but it, it took so much time and it was not so, like it was because you had to learn the, the lines and you had to, to rehearse. And it was, it was a different process of a fabulous and wonderful process where you can sort of find your character and you work on that character for weeks during rehearsal and you sort of shape that. And then you do a showcase and you do the play and then you perform the play, the same play a, uh, uh, week in and week out for a period of time, uh, which it has a, a completely different um, uh, sort of process behind and require a different amount of time to 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 sort of to do it. Uh, and I think, like during those five six years, I was not doing any sort of uh, arts or theater. I I noticed that like my my body and my brain lacked. Uh, like they they wanted to do something because every time we had like a family dinner, I was home visiting my par my my family, and we uh, I I suddenly always felt the need to be the joker or to do something or like and it was it was noticeable that that it was like it was some sort of urge within me that that I didn't get get to let it out, um, and and that was why I sort of. Uh, uh, searched myself and found improv classes when I was living in England in in Reading uh, and I think that's about four 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 years ago I I discovered uh, uh, the fabulous art form of improv because you don't need to prepare too much uh, looking back are there any things you you would have done differently I don't know there's there's uh, there's always things you do that you're sort of uh, maybe I should have done this. Like I, I, I do very often, uh, like overanalyze uh, things. It's like, oh no, I should have done that. Oh no, did that didn't go this way, and so on. But for my like my bigger life decisions, and and I, I don't think I regret anything because everything has sort of given me like all the decisions I've made have, uh, and all of the mistakes I've made. Uh, have led me to where I am right now, and I'm actually quite 
happy with my life. So like I I I don't think uh I would want to yeah, go back and change anything because each decision, good or bad, have given me the experience uh and I've learned from it. So I yeah, I I don't I wouldn't say I regret anything. Uh, I like that you talk about uh experience and learning from it because so far after like 40 minutes of, of interview I don't. I discovered that I'm not feeling like you're thinking as a growth, but more as a lot of picking a lot of different experiences. So where is coming the experience and maybe the growth from that? Is is it important or you don't care? You just want to pick here and there interesting things. Yeah, I think it's it's not super important where they come from, uh, but I like I don't think it. Yeah, should be too important either. Like, I, I don't think you, you maybe should pick from everywhere. Uh, but if you like it, then do it. Like, I, I have I've not sort of limited myself to a specific area, but I've just sort of done done things that I've enjoyed or thought was fun and sort of follow that path. So, like, I've if if something comes up or like a a, a life uh, choice or or something comes up and it doesn't inspire me. I or like intrigue me or something that I want to learn more from, then I I would probably dismiss that that uh, uh, opportunity. Uh, so like I wouldn't I wouldn't jump on everything uh, uh, in, in that way. But uh, if if it's something that that sort of inspires and intrigues and and uh, tickles my mind, then then yeah. And you you were just saying that. Um you feel that the person you're today is a result of all the experience you had. Uh, to me, it sounds as if you feel like you are, quotes, a better person today that you were like, I don't know, 10 years ago. Is that true? Or do you feel you're just a different person? Uh, how do you feel about the change and the evolution? I, I, I'm... It's very subjective to say better or, or oh yeah, or, that's why I put words. I'm talking in your yeah. <laughs> point of view. Yeah, I, like I've, I'm to to an extent. Like t ten years of experience is like it's gonna enrich anyone, even even if it's like bad experience or good experiences. So like I I wouldn't say that I'm a better person than I was ten years ago. Uh, uh but like I'd, I'd say that I'm a, a a richer person. Like I I I can. I can deal with way more situations than I could 10 years ago uh, because I have, I, ha I have experienced similar like stuff. So I can, I can tackle way more unexpected events and, and, uh, uh, and sort of situations. I have, I've been through stuff that I, that I've learned from, like I've been uh, in a company where we had to fire all, uh, almost everyone. Uh, so like the, and those kind of situations give you, um, uh, uh, give you more, like, strength to sort of deal with similar stuff in the future like so the, the, i'd say i'm I'm more of a yeah I'm, I'm a i'm a richer person than i was 10 years ago for sure but if it's better i don't know you, you said you you tend to seize the opportunity of whatever tickles your mind mm -hmm. can, can you tell us a little a little bit more about that what what does tickle your mind a lot <laughs> uh no like i like for example, I don't know if this is uh, exactly that, but uh, like for at the moment, I'm I'm 
uh, I'm sort of realizing that, uh, like, because I'm 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 working through quite a lot of stress, uh, uh, like in my over the last couple two years in in my in my corporate job, I've I've had a lot of changes happening, and there's been a lot of stress being sort of piled on me, and I and I uh, I, I had some some issues with my my stomach and digestion last year that, that was due to stress, uh, and uh, now when I'm back home. Up north, because at the moment I'm 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 in in Umeå, which is my hometown up north in Sweden, and I've been here for for two weeks. Uh, and I like things that I did naturally when I was young to just like go out in nature and go for a walk for two hours. Uh, uh, I don't do that in in Barcelona. Like I don't uh, like I have I have my my full time job and out, out after work I do a lot of improv. So like at the moment I'm my mind is is a bit tickled to like to find out why is that like what how can I change my everyday life in Barcelona to incorporate some of the the things that I used to do naturally here to calm myself down or like to be uh, uh, to to be more more relaxed uh, uh, not just in body but also in in mind so like that is something that I'm currently sort of trying to shape and find uh, uh, find find a solution to in in brackets i see yeah that that was also going to be one of my questions actually you know about um uh, about the hard bits of being an expat because uh, you know hearing both of you it sounds marvelous to be in uh, in barcelona but i guess there are things like this like just finding your pace finding a a, a way of i don't know recreating a, a uh, an environment that seems natural uh, that, that must be a bit challenging yeah and and i'd like to add something to, to that question like to to both because that that's what i feel sometimes and i've felt where I, both when i lived in england and in in, in barcelona uh, uh like how to recreate sort of an, an environment that i'm i'm used to at the same time mm -hmm. as acclimatizing to the the environment that is already there to integrate uh, in in into society and like sort of do their thing because like I'm 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 not coming to a new place to impose them on my way of of living completely but even though I, I want to share uh, uh, share my views of life or my experiences with with the people around me. Uh, and in 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 England, for example, I felt it was much easier to integrate and uh, and get friends with the local population, uh, which is is slightly less uh, uh, it's it's slightly more difficult, I'd say, in in Barcelona. Uh, but I think that's due to the the languages. Um, uh, because they they speak Catalan as well, and there's some communities where, where they they predominantly speak Catalan, and if you don't sort of pick that up uh, or speak Catalan, then then it's it's not a natural step into the, uh, the 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 social group or the network or something like that. So it is a little bit more more uh, separate the communities in in Barcelona, like the expat community, where like the English is the the language. Uh, mainly spoken is super inclusive and, and very broad but like it's not it's not not the local population there are locals in that community for sure uh but to to have the uh, to to have proper like catalan friends i i have a few but not not that many 
considering I've lived there for for three years. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's yeah. So the the hard bit is is about finding your place, your identity, living with a with, with all those contradictions and and kind of making making sense out of them. If I if I get you properly, yeah, yeah, like uh, to 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 find your own sort of voice in a new country mm-hmm. without sort of uh, like neglecting their voice. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I think that sums it up. Um, just a, a reaction to to the fact that it's hard here to make friends uh, in Barcelona. I mean, I, did you had a lot of foreigners as a friend when you were living in uh, in Sweden? Mm, no, I didn't. But I, I, I mainly I grew up in the north of Sweden, where at the time there was there was not that. There were many. no foreigners. <laughs> Uh, so, but, but like my, my aunt, for example, is she's adopted from Ethiopia. Um, uh, but like, since she was a baby, when she arrived to Sweden, she like, she is, is Swedish. Uh, but like, I've, I, I had a bit of, of, um, I had a few friends that were non-Swedish when I lived in Stockholm. So I had a, a, a good friend there and a colleague that was uh, from France. And uh, uh, I knew a, a, a couple of people from from South America, um, but like my main group of friends, there was uh, uh, only Swedish people. A, f- a funny a funny fact there is that since I left Sweden, I've I've gained so many uh, friends, like foreign friends that live in Sweden. So like I've I've, I've met a lot of uh, uh, people or expats that live yeah uh, that live in uh, in Sweden. Because like I, I work for a, a semi-Swedish company, which which is very international. So we have a bunch of people in Lund uh, that are from different countries, but like live and work in in Sweden. And through Improv, I've I've met a, a bunch of people uh, living in Sweden, but are from different places, and they do Improv. Uh, uh, and 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 also through through other means, like it's 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 a bit. I'm more. Foreign friends living in Sweden now than I had when I lived in Sweden. And isn't it a bit connected? Was you were saying that uh, sometime when you go back to Sweden, you don't feel any more uh, totally local. That maybe you have a culture that is more European now, and you connect more easily with foreigners even yeah. living in your country. Yeah, I, I think that has a correlation. Like it's it's not that I've. I've uh, I feel and now when you said that it felt like oh I, I, that I don't feel at home in my home country like, no 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 yeah you just is sometimes <laughs> it, it is yeah occasionally like in in certain situations it's like if I I can I can relate I can I can relate to what's happening right now to it being very Swedish but I don't feel like I, I'm used to something else now like a very uh, to, uh, a very clear situation was when I was watching. This was when I, I think I, I was living in England at the time and I went to Sweden uh, and it happened to be a Champions League football game uh, on. So I went to a pub to watch the, the football game. Uh, and when when one team scored or like when there was a goal, the whole pub was silent. <laughs> Uh, like of course it was not silent but it was not like in 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 the uk in england where like no matter where you went what football game it was on or whatever it was like 
everyone was like throwing beers or like at least shouting and, and screaming. But like in Sweden, it was like, and I was like, oh, this feels weird. Like I'm, I'm, I've been used to for the last few years to to have so much uh, rowdiness and energy when when people are at the pub and 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 watching sports. And it was it was not uh, it was not the same uh, <laughs> at all. People, there was a full bar, a full bar, a full pub, um, but it was just that the the atmosphere was uh, was was different. They were still enjoying uh, a lot the match, but it was their were, way of yeah. enjoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just like more more mellowed uh, enjoyment uh, in a way. Of course, you have you have places in Sweden where they are are way more rowdy, uh, but it was just a, like a, a that that specific situation. I, uh, I I remember quite clearly because of of, of that reason. Of the contrast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Emil, we're almost done now. One last question for you: Are you going to learn Catalan? Oh, that's, that's a very good question. Uh, um, when I first moved to Barcelona, I said, uh, I'm not going to learn Catalan until uh, uh, until my... Or Actually, I said, I'm not going to learn Catalan. <laughs> uh, and like, just to be like, no, but also just because of the fact that it would confuse the, the, the hell out of me. Like it would, to, to learn two languages and uh, at the same time, and all, because... I, I was going to learn Spanish. That was that was no doubt about it. It was, uh, uh, and also Spanish is way more uh, um, useful uh, globally. Uh, it's, it's way more spoken than, than Catalan, uh, and the fact that almost every Catalan also speaks Spanish because it's a it's a it's a bilingual uh, region. So ev- everyone who speaks Catalan, they also speak at least a decent level of Spanish. Uh, so like it was. I always wanted to to learn to learn uh, Spanish because I sort of built on that from from studying it a bit in school, um, but so so that was what I said in the beginning. To I, I was like I'm, I'm not going to learn any any Catalans. Uh, uh, I'm going to learn Spanish and I'm going to get better, uh, going to get fluent in Spanish, and then after that I'll see. Um, and like I, I don't think I will officially learn Catalan, but I'm, I'm I've already picked up a bit. Uh, because, but but also my my Spanish, I still have a few levels to go in Spanish. Like I am fluent, I can speak it, but like my grammar is still not not perfect, uh, and uh, I I still have to think and focus a lot when I speak Spanish. So I I, I still still need to to improve my Spanish uh, uh, a bit more. But then, when I'm comfortable and very secure and uh, in my in my Spanish, I think I I will I will try and I'll I'll pick up a bit and I will uh, I'll sort of mix and match and and like I do because that that's sort of w- one thing that I that we didn't speak that much about. Uh, it's like my love for la- languages and understanding uh, uh, how a language is in- interconnected and how you can. If you can, if you take one sentence from one language and you translate it word by word into a different language, what happens? And and uh, like I've, I'm playing around a lot with accents and dialects and 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 things like that. Um, uh, uh, so so I I think I will pick up Catalan, uh, but maybe not like I will not probably officially learn it, but I will probably be able to to impress. Catalans with with my Catalan skill. <laughs> I, I I already did an improv scene in Catalan once. So, um, oh really? Wow. 
Yeah, but uh, that was that was basically just me using the Catalan words I knew, and and a lot <laughs> of it, a lot of it is is very similar to Spanish. So so you can sort of uh, uh, fake it a bit. That's that's how I do when I when I uh, uh, I speak Norwegian and, and Danish. I I can sort of switch over and I can sort of speak fake Danish Danish or fake Norwegian. Uh, where I like I I kind of use Swedish words, but I use it with the 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 melody and the intonation of of the other language. So it kind of sounds like that language, but it's not really. I, I actually, I've I've started playing around with accents and transferring them from one language to another. Uh, so like I because I uh, it was when I started doing improv and uh, in England. So in in the UK, it's very the the. Uh, it's very heavy on accents and like you should be able to do a Northern accent and like in improv, especially like, so they just threw different accents at me and I had no idea how to do them. Uh, but back in Sweden, in Swedish, I was quite good at accents uh, in Swedish. So I, I, I knew how to do an Italian accent in Swedish and a Finnish accent. Uh, I was very good at, but like, I, and I, and then I just played around with it one day uh, and I started speaking Swedish with a Finnish accent. Uh, and then I just swapped the language I was speaking, but kept the accent. So kind of like, Finland, uh, uh, and then I just swapped into English and I kept the Finnish accent into the English. And it, it was very, very interesting. <laughs> so like, I, because it, it allowed me to sort of, like differentiate the language, the actual words I was using to the, the accent, the melody and the intonation of, of what was sort of said. Uh, and, and, and that, that it was, is still very fascinating. And I'm, I'm trying to, when I have time, play around with it in, in my head to sort of transfer an accent from one language to another. And that, like, I've started to do it a little bit with, with transferring uh, some accents I know in English and, and, and Swedish and transferring them over to, to Spanish, which is very funny sometimes. And how do you so, work on that? How do you train? Uh, like, I, I don't do it very oh. uh, meticulously. It's mainly just like when I meet someone that speaks an accent, I, I just go and I talk to them. Like I have, I have an Irish guy at work where I like I, I I specifically ask him to come for coffee with me to speak with me so I can just hear him. <laughs> uh, he's a nice guy as well. So that that uh, uh, but but like one of the reasons is is uh, me just like speaking with them and and uh, and and try to pick it up from from there or just uh, play around uh a bit but like i'm not a master of of accents i'm still like really really working on it it's just that i, I sort of discovered this way of of sort of distinguishing the language from from the melody and the the intonation which helps when you when you learn a new uh, uh accent because you if you focus too much on on everything at one po- at, at one go then it's difficult but if you then just try to get into the rhythm and the melody of how they speak then you can uh, you have it easier to then sort of relay that across. So, are you now able to speak Spanish with a French accent? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> I can speak Swedish, English, and Spanish with a French accent. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it depends uh, when you, it depends uh, how you speak. Uh, I start with uh, with English. Um, it um, it is not a super uh, super good French accent, uh, pero en, en, en castellano es es muy muy fácil uh, para para hablar con un acento francés. Uh, y en los Svenska de Toronto, well, it's uh, enkel to prata uh, med en brutning från Frankrike. Så det tycker jag är roligt. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I, I I really want to hear how this sounds because like I've never really recorded it, so I have no idea how good I am. I would say to you, it would be in the interview anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. That sounds good. So so if that, that was a very long answer to a very uh, quite direct question, uh, but uh, yeah, eventually I think I might pick it up if I stay in Barcelona. I, I don't know for a fact that I will stay for really long in Barcelona, but if I stay longer than 10 years, uh, yeah, I think for sure, for sure I will, I will be able to, to converse uh, in Catalan. And then you'll find yourself in a new comfort zone and move to Thailand. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, you never know. Yeah, Emil, this was absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you as well. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure.